Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Alrighty, welcome back everybody. Another edition here of the Auburn Undercover Podcast on the 24-7 Sports Network. My name is Nathan King. Going live on the podcast for the first time in a while. Going to try out some of this um, for y'all. Do a little bit of a live video here to talk about uh, Brian Harson. Obviously, that saga just keeps on going and going. Um, Auburn basketball's got a game coming up Saturday against Texas A&M. And then Jason Caldwell is here with me to talk a little bit of Auburn baseball as well, because they are starting to get in the news. Um, the SEC preseason poll came out today, but we'll start, Jason, with uh, with the news of the day, of course, is the Auburn baseball preseason. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> yeah. Brian Harson. Um, it was this time last week. Now that this it is Thursday, or I'm losing track. Correct. It was yes. This time, it was about a week ago, right now, when all the reports started circulating, circulating Thursday night, and then it just turned into madness um, on Friday. He ends up going to the meeting today, meaning he's still Auburn's coach. Now, obviously, we've been told not to put too much weight onto that, but I mean, are you surprised this is this has gone on this long, or have you just been trained at this point to yeah. expect whatever? Yeah, I, that's the thing. Uh, I think the first thing is you you kind of tr- trained to to not expect things to happen in a really quick manner when a university is involved. I mean, you, you have so many people that are in the mix. You know, obviously not including the lawyers on both sides, everything that has to be done. But, you know, uh, all we keep hearing is, is, hey, we're still in, in kind of a fact-finding in mode. And so right now that means they're still talking to folks. They're still doing their due diligence on trying to figure out, you know, kind of the way everything's going. Um, and obviously they'll come to a decision. I, I would hope it will be sooner rather than later at this point. It, the week seems like it's been a month and a half. And I know it's it feels that way for everybody involved. Um, feels that way for players. I, I spoke to a couple of guys yesterday, and uh, it's 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 got to be difficult when when you have that uncertainty uh, of what's going on. We know it it impacts fan base, impacts um, Ryan Harson and his staff and his family, and and so it impacts everything. And so you would hope the sooner sooner rather than later. But I think it's one of those situations where they're they're just kind of continuing to turn over some rocks and and making sure. Um, that they make the right decision one way or another. And uh, unfortunately, sometimes those things take time. Yeah, I mean, it seemed like a few days ago, or it seems like really after the first three or four days that we were all just kind of looking forward to the next day and saying, okay, this is when they're going to come to a resolution. Then Wednesday rolls around, and now 
barring something that would make us completely shut this thing down and, and have to do some work. Um, it seems like we're going to go all the way till Friday. Um, and from what everything we've been told is that they they're just continuing business as usual within the football complex. I mean, we are this is winter workouts right now, uh, meaning the assistant coaching staff is not allowed to have as much of an impact on it. It's Jeff Pittman, the strength coach doing things right now. But the players are in there doing what they're supposed to do. Um, and like you said, the assistant coaching staff, I mean, everybody involved in the program right now is held in a limbo um, as they continue to kind of draw out this situation and 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 fail to reach a resolution um, on this. Do you have a gut feeling on whether tomorrow, maybe the end of the business week might be it, or could this thing draw out even longer? Yeah, I, I don't really have a gut feeling either way. Um, to me, it, it, it seems like the longer it goes on, the more likely it is that Brian Harson remains as Auburn's coach. You, you yeah. think that it would, if you have a, a cut and dried situation, then, then it would have already happened. And so, uh, to me, it feels like the the more it goes on, the more likely it is that that there's not a change, and then then you have to kind of hit the ground running and repair the damage um, that's been done. Uh, and obviously, um, it was already going to be a tough situation when you start looking at it going into this. Um, you have some turnover on the coaching staff, you have some turnover on the roster. Those are the things that that we talked about, documented. They are what they are. But now you start to go, okay, got to pick other pieces. Um, if Ron Arson's back, the first thing you that you, know, you got to go hire an off- offense coordinator and a quarterback coach. That's something that still now has to be done. Um, so you got that opening on the staff, and then you got a month to get prepared for for spring practice. But to me, you know, just as important or maybe more important is that you got a few weeks now to plan March and April visits for recruits on campus, getting coaches back on the road again, and and trying to hammer out this this early start to the twenty twenty three class. That's so important, such a big deal. And this is a really good class in the state of Alabama for 23 alone. And so you got kind of almost – it almost starts with a mushroom. It, it should mushroom from the Auburn campus and go out because there's there's a lot of players that are within a quick driving distance here that you could focus on and, and I think, um, you know, needs to focus on right now. And so that's where it starts for me. But honestly, I don't know. Um, when you check with folks, everybody says the same thing is that, you know, nothing different, pretty quiet right now. And uh, it seems to me that if something was, you know, imminent right now, then you would be hearing a little bit more chatter. Yeah, I think you were the one who said to me that, you know, recruiting obviously is in a dead period at this moment. But the problem with the 23 class right now, you, it, it's it's loaded. It's one of the best in the history of the state. But the problem is right now, if you try to do anything, you, you can't pick up the phone. What are you going to say? You can't open up that can of worms. with a really room. a difficult spot to be in. It yeah. really is because you have more questions than answers at the moment. Those kids want answers and and you, and you don't have them. And so all you can do is build relationships um, and you can do those things. And so that's what they're doing right now is continuing to build relationships and, and, and get to know guys, um, you know, more and more. They already know a lot of these kids. A lot of them have already been on campus for games in the fall. And so it's just continuing that and saying, Hey, we're, we're here, we're ready to go. And so um, I think, planning moving forward um, and trying to get guys on campus is, is kind of the goal there, but you're right. It's, it's a, it's a difficult situation. There's no question about it. So um, it's, it's one that, you know, uh, I don't know, you know, how you would go about it other than just saying, look, gotta be honest, we're not really sure, but you know, right now we're planning on being back. And so we want you to be a part of it. And, you know, you just kind of have to do those things as part of that relationship building time. We got a couple comments here for the live strokes. Again, if you're listening to the podcast, 
Um, but we've got a couple here just really asking for the, you know, the, the nitty gritty details here from the beginning, you know, what exactly, where exactly did this stem from? Where exactly did it start? Um, goes back to last week. At least w- what I was told was that um, goes back to almost last Saturday before the Alabama basketball home game was on Tuesday. Apparently they had everything ready to present here. Didn't want to upstage the basketball team on Tuesday in a big home game. Um, so Wednesday sounded last Wednesday sounded like it would have been the first day of this. Um, and according to the ESPN report, what this is, is it's Alan and Jason, you stop me if, if I'm getting any of this wrong, but it's Alan Green and other university leadership, General Burgess, obviously President Goosh sort of exit interviews um, with those who have departed the program or been asked to leave the program. We're talking about assistant coaches, talking about players, talking about GAs, everybody in that building um, sort of getting their opinions about Brian Harson as they exit the program. Um, and it, it, it turned up pretty negative. Um, in, in yeah, terms I think there were some concerns. Yeah. yeah concerns, concerns about it. I can't remember the exact it. wording from the SPN story, but volatility and, was the main word that came. But out. I think, you know, that's, that's kind of where it starts. Um, and then it becomes in, in, you know, people have kind of jumped on this one as, as this is a booster thing. This was, this was an HR thing. This was came from, from Sanford hall is where this thing began. Um, because of those, you're right, those exit interviews. And, and then that's where you start to go, look, we need to maybe we need to dig a little bit deeper just to, to make sure and see what's going on, especially in this climate, this day and age. You have to take those things seriously. And so it becomes a situation where you go, look, we need to look into this, explore all these options. I think they're still doing those things, whether it be talking to, to players that have left, players on campus, you know, trying to, to talk to coaches that have left. I think it involves every every everything in all of those aspects. And that's that takes a I think it takes some time. And um, you know, hopefully they're they're getting close to finishing that up and and we will know something soon i think again for everybody's sake i I think it needs to be some resolution here uh you know as quickly as possible there's been a couple things over the last as yesterday um because mark nolan just said on facebook um throwing in random mandatory policies um in the middle of the investigation that link yesterday was crazy but i think some people may have been reading into it a little bit incorrectly for anyone who didn't see it it was a policy enacted on February 8th um, that said basically that all Auburn University employees, regardless of their present situation, had to comply completely with any investigation. Um, So obviously, you know, uh, you can kind of put together the the context clues there that it it related a lot to what Brian Harson was doing. But I think it I think it was less of them putting it out there and saying, oh, well, we can enact this policy and we can fire him the next day for it. It's not really how that works. That's going to get you in an absolute legal nightmare if they're not already in one. I think that was kind of just them covering and saying, hey, this has not been fun. This this is this has been handled really poorly by us. Let's maybe stop this for the future. You know, make sure anything, anything like this doesn't happen in the future. I don't think yeah. it's something where they're trying to. Oh, we got you. We got you, Brian Harson. We're going to put this policy in right under your nose. I don't think. Yeah. And, and, and I don't was. you know, I don't know about this one, but I've heard from from other folks that have seen and heard these things that it's it's not necessarily something that can be done the next day. You have a grace period. Sometimes it's 30 days. Sometimes it's a little longer before that. So, I mean, it, it, it's not something that I don't believe they could enact tomorrow. Now, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe somebody can correct us. But normally there's a grace period involved going, look, you got this much time to understand that this goes into play for everybody involved. And so, um, yeah, it's yeah, timing, um, appearance didn't look great, but I don't think it's quite exactly uh, you know what it appeared to be. Um, Conrad Ramsey says on Facebook, has anyone compared the numbers of the departure to Pat Dye's first year? I see, I see a lot of people bringing that up. I think the transfer stuff is kind of 
taken a back seat. I think a couple weeks ago, maybe people were saying mm, this is a little bit of a concern and it's still a big 18 scholarship players. I think 25 when you include walk-ons, 24, 25, it's a concern. But you look at other programs have pretty much reached that number. I think I saw today the SEC was at 178 total. Um, obviously, you know, context matters for individual players. But I think this has taken enough steps in the past week to where, yes, players leave programs for different reasons. But I don't know if the transfer portal number is necessarily something people are sort yeah, of you and, know, and getting hung up on at this and, point. And it's, you know, it's not just players. It's, it's you know, you, you know right. counting Tracy Rocker who who signed up and then didn't, didn't come to the NFL – it's, it's been six assistant coaches in basically 14 months. Um, that's that's something that you you have to look into as well. I mean, it's not just a player leaving. And so, yeah, I mean, you're going to have turnover. It's it's going to happen. Nowadays especially, you're going to have turnover no matter what you do in a program, um, good or bad, indifferent. I mean, Georgia and Alabama lose players. And, you know, Georgia has lost a starting wide receiver and one of their best wide receivers, and the guy went to Alabama. Um, you know, and it's kind of like, um, is, you know, Philip Marshall wrote, you know, maybe a few days ago, something like everybody's experiences are different. And that's just the way it is. You're going to have players that decide I'm going to move on. Um, I didn't get to play. I want to go play. And especially now because of that transfer portal, you're going to lose more kids. It's just uh, the nature of it. I, I think it's just the concern of other things than just losing players in transfer portal. Jack Scott says document with Brian Harsel's initial Brian Harson's initials on it that already had the same sort of wording. Yeah, his that's the thing. It's like the policy a couple days ago was not – it was surprising and, and almost kind of hilarious when you opened it up and, and saw it. But at the same time, if you really dig into his contract, there's compliance stuff all over the place. I mean, there was already yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, it's it's something that that every coach and in, in, when you're in major college athletics and, and every really every coach in, in the NCAA has to understand there's things you have to comply with because of – you know, the program because of all those things. Um, yes, I don't, it's not, you know, a, a, an outlandish thing. It's something these guys understand. Yeah. And there's been a couple back and forth too, if we're still on the subject of, you know, Harson and his assistant staff. Interesting tonight that UCF's athletic director, I'm not even going to attempt to pronounce his last name, um, but he was the one who was with Brian Harson at Arkansas State basically saying that it was incorrect that Arkansas State wanted to get rid of him after he was their head coach, won a conference title. Um, he said they wanted to retain him. You got on the other side um, an article from Boise State a couple years ago um, talking about all the assistants that left under him um, and how you know it wasn't necessarily an administration issue there. It was a situation where he was being difficult um, to work for. And now you come back to Auburn, just like you talked about, the Austin Davis situation. We'll see what happens. I'll be interested to see like a month out if he's taken another job, then I think that will tell us a lot of what we need to know. Um, but to me, it was the Derek Mason thing this week. Almost half a million dollars of a pay cut. You don't see assistant coaches doing that in, incredibly often. So I just said because there's a comment here about him still changing the culture again. I think that's one of those things. We're maybe past that point where that's the topic of discussion. And now you're looking at individual assistants leaving and saying, what's going on? There? Yeah, it's, you know, it's, here's the thing. It's it's kind of the cliche thing to say and do is to go well when you get a new coach in you got to you got to change the culture yeah I mean you, you want to put your stamp on a program um, I'm not one I don't think it was a terrible culture under Gus Malzahn now do you need some changes here there some things that need to be tweaked yeah absolutely I think when when you're not winning 
championships, then there's issues and things that have to be addressed. But I, I don't think it, it, it's a complete overhaul. I think a lot of this is guys that maybe didn't get to play as much as they wanted to. Um, maybe there's some other issues, personality issues. It's just the way it is. Um, now, is it something a little more? That's that's for you know higher ups and people that that are on a much higher pay scale than than we are. Um, we hear all the rumors, um, and we talk to folks to say, "Hey, it was good. It was bad." That's that's life. And so uh, now we'll, you know, hopefully we'll find out something, get some resolution. But yeah, I, you know that you know when to get asked, you know the specifics. Um, I don't want to talk specifics because I wasn't there. And if you're not there, it's hard to talk specifics in a situation like this. Seems like also be interesting to see what happens if Brian Harson ends up getting pushed out. Uh, Alan Green obviously went out on a big limb to hire him. Um, and now it's, you know, if again, if he if it ends up that he gets pushed out, you know, the whole vetting process people are talking about may not reflect that highly of Alan Green and others that were involved in that hire. So we'll have to see what happens there. Well, certainly ton of ripple effects. Um, and you're also talking about a staff here that, look, our site reported that Zach Etheridge is being looked at. Rumors a couple weeks ago about people looking at Cadillac Williams for jobs. I mean, it's it's going to be a complete overhaul. And I think Auburn's in a situation now where next season, it's almost like the on-field results have now taken a little bit of a backseat to the administration, maybe saying, let's set ourselves up for success in the future because this all this already is not an overwhelmingly great roster, but if you completely blow up this coaching staff just to say, "Hey, let's get better down the road," winning yeah, six you, games you, will probably be difficult next. Yeah, year. you're gonna you're gonna deal with some issues no matter what. When you look at at you know, there's some lack of depth issues, issues at a couple positions. You're gonna you're gonna have those. Yeah, if you if you blow up a coaching staff, you, you may have more in the short term than than you even expect. And so I, that's the thing that you look at from this perspective is. It was it look like 2022, and then hey, was it like 2024? That's why it's so important to get things settled. Um, you know, Ryan Harson back or not back. It's so important to get it settled because you know, even though it's a dead period, phone calls, you know, talking to kids, talking to high school coaches. This is the time when a lot of that is accomplished to get guys prepared to come on campus. Hey, come watch us practice. Come watch the, our A day game, spring game. All those things. Uh, there's kids you want to see once they start practicing. You want to kind of, kind of make sure that they you, they understand that hey, you're on our radar. We're coming to watch you practice. All those things have to be done. And, and right now, you're just kind of in a a limbo, and uh, it's hard to get done. It's I mean, it's coming up quick. I mean, spring practice is in like three and a half weeks. Yeah, basically about a month or so. It's after right after spring break, I think. So yeah. um, you got about a month to to get prepared. And um, you know, like I said. You know, for Mount Harson, you, you got to hire an OC and a quarterback coach to, 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 you know, and, and we expect Ryan Harson and, and Eric Keesaw to be involved in that offense no matter what. So it's not like it's going to be a drastic change, but it's a guy that's really involved in that offense as a quarterback coach and, and OC by title. So um, to have that guy in place to start recruiting your 2023 group at quarterback, um, yeah. you need you need at least one every class. So, yeah, there's a lot to be done. Um you know, again, just to see see when 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 that happens. Yeah, and it's I mean, it would it's our understanding that it would be a decently quick process to try to turn around and you know that like they don't want to dilly dally in a coaching search if they do end up. Yeah, I don't think I mean, if, if it were to happen, I don't I don't think right. you see a long drawn out search. Right. With this because of the timeline. Um, like I yeah. said, I just to me it, it kind of has that feel of right now. The the longer it goes on, the the more likely that that Brian Arson remains. At least you know. 
right now. Things can change in an hour. Who knows? But it, that's certainly what it what it feels like right now. Yeah. If you, yeah, I think I agree. I think if you go into the weekend, get through that basketball game on Saturday, which I would hope they wouldn't do any news on Saturday. Again, I think they're trying to maybe not upstage the basketball team, but you never know. This is, the, I mean, it's not unprecedented. Things like this have happened before, um, but certainly, I mean, this has been the talk of college football, at least a coaching circle like this, a coaching cycle um, over the last week. And it's, it's seemingly provided something new every single day. Today was the, the, the Birmingham stuff. Again, he did report to Birmingham that was expected come late last night. You know, it started to hear that seemed like he was going to go there. Don't know if that makes a huge difference. And he obviously declined to comment about anything as he left was not a surprise at all. Um, we'll pivot a little bit to basketball now, something a little bit more, uh, something a little bit more uplifting for Auburn fans. Although Auburn did drop their first game in 19 games or first game in 20 games, 19 game winning streak um, finally comes to an end in Fayetteville a couple nights ago against Arkansas. And Jason, it only took the largest crowd in Arkansas history, Auburn to be without its starting point guard and another overtime game for Auburn's 19 game winning streak to be broken. And they had tons of chances there at the end of the game. So, I mean, there was, there was concerns in this game for Auburn. They didn't play a great game. Um, on certain sides and in different facets. But really, I mean, it, it was almost another case of this team just finding ways to win there at the end of the game. Even in one of the most obvious looking, you know, final score settings, Jabari Smith makes two just incredible shots to just extend the game. Yeah. Um, so I, I really don't think, you know, I think you and I were talking about it a while ago. What would Auburn's first loss be? We were kind of looking at this Arkansas game and saying, this is a really good team right now. It's a really tough road spot. Um, and I mean, honestly, the pressure is kind of pulled off right now. If you're yeah. Auburn, you know, when you don't lo you lose for so long, you're kind of waiting and waiting to see when that first loss is going to come. They don't have to do that anymore. Now they can just go out and play loose. Um, but I think, you know, it wasn't the worst loss in the world, but there were some concerns for Auburn. Too, yeah, so. I, I think you look at it and, and you know, lost two games this season, both of them in overtime, uh, both away from home against two teams that will probably both be ranked next week. Arkansas probably should have already been ranked uh, based on what they, you know, how they've been playing recently, but yeah, you look at it and you have every opportunity to, to win the basketball game and and shoot terrible from the free throw line, turn the ball over, but but you do what you had to do to stay in a game, and that's what they do. Um, um, but I think when you start looking at, at the way this thing goes, um, now you've got a chance to, to rest and re recuperate a little bit. I mean, the Georgia-Arkansas turnaround was a, was a quick one when you look at, at having just a couple of days to respond. And it was the first time that – you know, Wendell Green and, and Katie Johnson had to go out there and play those extra extended minutes. And, and I thought it showed up, especially in, in game two. I thought when when those guys got out there, you could see a little bit. And, and you look at free, throw, free throws and shooting, that, that's legs. Um, that quick turnaround, I think, was going to be bothersome anyway. You heard Bruce Pearl after that Georgia game saying, look, we might not even practice. And um, they did take a much, you know, you know less taxing uh, couple of days there. Uh, but now you got a chance to kind of get back on schedule a little bit. It looks like probably get Zepp Jasper back, maybe Lior Berman as well. And, you know, Lior Berman had played in a month. And so that's one less body in that rotation that you had playing. And then you took two. And so you've been about two of those guys this last week and thought it showed up. Um, but you still, it, it took all of those things to beat you in overtime in that environment, that situation. That's his – it may not be the best team that Auburn plays this year. It may be the most difficult situation they play in all season long, including the NCAA tournament, because that's 20,000 
and and the smallest Auburn crowd uh, you're going to have probably this season. Uh, you'll have more people in Gainesville. You have more people in Knoxville. You'll have more people in SEC tournament, NCAA tournament play, and, and surely in start. That's as as lopsided a crowd as you're going to face all season long if you're Auburn. And so getting Zep back, calming influence, a guy that doesn't turn it over a ton, really good defender. That's just a big deal for this team. So I, I think for them, you look at it and go, it's basketball. You're going to lose games. That's the way it is. Uh, you know, respond and move on and um, get back to to kind of play a little bit. And I think people hopefully realize too that this, this isn't a team that that goes out there and wins games by 35 or 40. It's just not how they're made. Yeah. You know, they're going to play defense. They're going to grind. They might win some of those games down the stretch. If they do, that'd be that'd be really good. But most of the time, they're going to have to. They'll they'll have a run or two, sustain it, and then open up at the end with their depth. That's the way they've that's the way they've kind of made. Um, and when you don't shoot it well, it's hard to get over the hump. And they did against Missouri, barely, not quite enough to get over the hump against against Arkansas doing that same thing. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Yeah, I mean, the, the defense for Auburn has traveled. That's what Bruce said today, man. Defense and rebounding is really, I mean, that's the that's the cornerstone of any successful team. Um, and that's traveled for them. I mean, boy, they were, I mean, it's like a 31 to 15 advantage in the first half. Arkansas didn't have an offensive rebound in this game until there was like 13 minutes left. Something like that. Now they had a really big one in overtime. Um, there, Jalen yeah, Williams free throw. Mm-hmm. pulls it down off the free throw. Yeah, but the free throw problems. I mean, that Auburn yeah. already, I think, was eighth in the league, seven close to seventy five percent on the season, maybe seventh heading into the game. Um, eight of seventeen. And here's what Bruce was saying: like seventeen free throws on the road in the SEC. That's not bad. Like that's especially you can't when you consider right. Yeah, especially when you consider you missed a few front ends. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the free throw disparity really didn't show up until the end of the game when you had to foul Arkansas. Right. It really didn't show up. I mean, it was a pretty evenly evenly called game in terms of, you know, the way it was called. Uh, now, I don't like some of the way it was called with a ton of touch fouls 30 feet from the basket. I just Offensive don't like that. Offensive fouls. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I, yeah, those are a little bit too much for me. But it wasn't it wasn't one-sided. Um, sometimes you can see a huge disparity in, in a game and you go, man, that, that didn't seem right. This one? It was fairly even until the end of the game, so it was just a matter of making. Arkansas made them, Arkansas and Auburn didn't, and and the end of that was the biggest story of the game. Yeah, and Walker Kessler, just another phenomenal performance for him. I mean, he was he was the best player on the floor most possessions. Yes, um, on both sides, he's fourteen points or sixteen points. He'd be nineteen, uh, eighteen rebounds. And probably, me, probably seven blocks. Probably eleven block shots. To be honest, right? He got credit it was seven, but it probably should have been another triple double for him. Yeah, and both he and Jabari Smith today, by the way, um, landed on the Naismith uh, Player of the Year midseason team. Um, Auburn was one of only four teams, just to show how good the top-end talent is at Auburn right now. One of only four teams in the country that had multiple players on the Player of the Year team. Uh, the other teams, Duke, Purdue, and Gonzaga, three teams that are probably like they, have a pretty good uh, shot at going all the way. By so. the way, Purdue right now down eight at the half really? at Michigan. Um, and, yeah, it just shows you the difficulty going on the road. Now, Duke's playing at Clemson. 
Uh, not a big yeah. deal for them. But Duke lost at home to Virginia. Lost so, yeah, at home to Virginia just just a few days ago. Uh, Gonzaga probably not going to lose the rest of the way out, even mm-hmm. though um, West Coast is is a good league. I watch a lot of West Coast basketball. Um, you know, and BYU is is solid again. St. Mary's. Um, San Francisco with former Bruce Pearl and assistant Todd Golden. I mean, they've got some good basketball teams in that league, and the depth has gotten better. I just don't think any of them are going to knock Gonzaga off. They're probably going to knock each other off and hurt the the, the rest of the league's chances to get more teams in the NCAA tournament. Yeah, I think – I watched a little bit of that BYU game the other night with Chet Holmgren. That's as a single game – that's as good of a single game performance as I've probably seen in a couple of years. It it reminded me of Auburn really – when they got in that NCAA tournament run where they're just like, okay, we'll shoot it from 30 feet. Anyway, it doesn't matter. They right. played lights out offensively that Gonzaga did the other night. What you look for is, hey, are they peaking? And, you know, can you sustain that over time? Auburn hasn't played one of those games yet. This team hasn't. It's in them. Um, we'll see if they can get there. Yeah. that You and I have talked about that a few times. They've still not played. They've played 32 minutes against Alabama at home was probably that's probably the most yeah. they played in my opinion. They had other than probably four minutes before and four minutes after, it may even be 30 minutes. They scored 100 points and and, yeah. and didn't really play but about a 30 minute game. Um, they've got a 40 minute game in them uh, or more of those 30 35 minute type games in them. And when they do, then they have the potential to to really put up some some stuff yeah. on people. Just uh, just haven't been able to get there yet. I think they've got one of those, like a 36, 37, 38 minute game. They probably need that at Tennessee or Mississippi State. You Florida, love it. Florida, at, or Florida. Yeah, Florida's a big good. man back, and they're just a different team. They're they're scrappy. Yeah. They play defense, and and that has not been a place that Auburn has played very well over the years. Uh, now they've they're, a lot of the reason why is because they've had some good teams over the years with Billy Donovan and those teams, but it's been a difficult road trip for Auburn. You know, so they got. It's really interesting to look at, at Auburn, Kentucky down the stretch. They both have to go um, to Tennessee. Both have to go to Florida. Kentucky has to go to Arkansas. Auburn has to go to Mississippi State. And then, but you know, but but Kentucky has LSU and Alabama at home. LSU stepping their game up a little bit. Those will be two games that would be huge for Alabama and, and LSU playing at Rupp Arena to pull off a win. So there's some challenges left for both these teams, and still uh, still a lot of work to be done. It's a tight race now. I mean, just one game back. I think, you know, Auburn put Kentucky two games away when they beat them, and then neither team had lost since then. So you had always kind of had put them at, at arm's length away. Um, and now it's going to be tight. I mean, for Auburn, you're obviously hoping for a one seed, and you're hoping to be the solo champion. Um, at this point, you're winning any sort of conference title, hanging a banner for the season um, is a huge objective for them. The tournament, the SEC tournament, if you're a high seed, Auburn is either going to be a one or two seed in the NCAA tournament. doesn't matter as much as when they were a five seed and it obviously propelled them up. Um, but you'd like to see that as well. Speaking of places that are, it's been difficult for Auburn, um, the longest losing streak they have currently to any opponent inside Auburn Arena is Texas A&M. I just looked it up again because I looked it up this morning and was shocked by it. And so I made sure I was correct. They've lost six straight home games to Texas A&M. Two of those, as Bruce Pearl pointed out today, were both on senior days. Yes. It was, mm-hmm. I believe, the 17-18 season senior day, and then the 2020 season was the last game they played before COVID yep. shut it down. Yep. Um, obviously, that wasn't all with Buzz Williams there. But boy, this team has given them a lot of trouble. Now it comes into a really big stage. College game day will be here on Saturday at 11 a.m., second time they've come to Auburn. Texas A&M, though, talking about teams that have improved in the SEC, 
this has not been one of them. They started 4-0. They were the last unbeaten team in league play with Auburn. Have really, really slid since then. They've got pretty good defense, but really just can't get anything go to go offensively. And they've lost seven straight games as a result. So seems like this should be a bounce back spot for Auburn. Yeah, you look and, and you got a chance to really build some momentum. Um, you know, Texas A&M at home, Vandy at home next week. You're playing in Auburn, in Auburn Arena, uh, Neville Arena now. Uh, <laughs> you got to give them props and hey, great, great folks. Uh, had a chance to, to meet them and get to know them a little bit uh, over the years, and absolutely fantastic people. To, so couldn't couldn't happen to have better people named on Auburn on Auburn Arena now, Neville Arena. But yeah, those are games you would expect at home that that you go out and take care of business. That's the key right now. Take care of business, win those games that you're supposed to, and then give yourself a chance to win those on the road and, and see what happens. And so I think, uh, you know, I would look forward to for this Auburn team going out and having a lot of energy and uh, and building off what should be a great crowd, you know, Saturday, uh, early early tip-off. Tommy Martin, I'm not going to put that comment on the screen, but just I'll, I'll let you know that I just laughed at it. Um, we'll close out here, Jason. Uh, baseball, your forte. I know you're excited about um, getting into the season here soon. The SEC poll comes out today. Not huge for Auburn there. They're picked last in the West, um, second to last in the entire SEC. I believe Missouri was the 14th place team. What is going to be the strength of this Auburn team this season? I know you've been talking to Bush Thompson a lot recently um, leading up to the season. What can people expect from this Auburn team, and and what do they need to do to kind of crawl up from the bottom of the SEC and, and hope to make a tournament run? Yeah, I, I think it's it's this depth right now. I, I think you know those things happen when when you go look back at last year and you go, well, that's just based on last year. You know, that's that's what happens. And so, um, I think this is a much better team. Even last year, they they're ten and twenty in the league and lost. I, I think six or seven games where they had the lead in the seventh inning or later, um, you know, injuries to the pitching staff really depleted them. They kind of had to throw their arms whenever they could. And so tough to finish off games, but you know, the additions of some, some newcomers, Tommy Sheehan, uh, left-handed pitcher from Notre Dame is a big deal. A guy that, you know, if he continues to, to progress like he has coming back from, you know, partial John, uh, um, partial Tommy John surgery, that could be a big deal for this team. And so you look at him, Sonny Deshera, uh, coming in from Sanford, Lower Brooks, Carlson, those two guys should should have an immediate impact in terms of of the offense for this team. And then Blake Rambush is a junior college transfer that'll have a, a big impact as well. So those are things that are a big deal. They need, they really need some veteran guys on the mound to to step up and play like those guys. Uh, you know, Mason Barnett, big right-handed pitcher that they can throw at 96, 97. Uh, Carson Skipper, um, you know, Brooks Fuller, who's dropped down a little bit. Can he be a guy that gets lefties out from the left-handed side? Some of those guys will be really important for this team. And then, you know, Blake Burkhalter looks like the guy that can come in and finish games off. And so you have those things in place. Um, it's going to be a deep team, um, but it you know, all revolves around pitching. Uh, can they get enough consistent pitching? And, uh, you know, right now, that you know, if you can find that Friday night guy, Tommy Sheehan potentially could be that guy, then it really does solidify everything else if you're able to find him. And so that's going to be a key for them is, is finding that that number one, number two, number three starters that they can kind of can lean on and, and count on every week. I wanted to talk about here just a second, a really interesting story you had on the site this morning. Um, it's free. People can go read it. Um, AuburnUndercover.com. Um, a story about sort of the mental side for this Auburn baseball team, bringing in some help from the outside to kind of get some perspective here. Um, to kind of you know give themselves a good mental attitude heading into the season. Just um, tell me a little bit about that story. And then also just kind of, it seems like 
I clicked on it and read it this morning. Not, it wasn't surprising to me about just what we know about Butch Thompson over the years. Just what is it that that Butch Thompson does well um, as Auburn's head coach, and and what do you think is going to be the biggest challenge for him this season? Like we just talked about, you know, not not on the field, but just kind of the biggest challenge off the field, you know, to make sure that this is a team um, that strives towards success and, and is a team that can bounce back from last year where they, they didn't have a great record. Yeah. I think, you know, probably the best thing that Butch does is, is relate to people. I think that's, that's his strength. That's what he does exceptionally well. And so, you know, one of the things he wanted to do was, Hey, let's go out and make sure that we give, and I talked to him the other night, he said, make sure we give these players every opportunity to be successful in every facet of life. And, and that's, on and off the field, and obviously it's on the field's a big deal. But you know, you talked about you know self confidence and and no excuses, and that's not just in baseball; that's in life. Uh, and that's that's one of the things that you look at is, hey, believe in yourself, and hey, just just get the job done. And so uh, they you know talked to a you know a mental coach, a guy that has worked with uh, you know St. Louis Cardinals, bunch of Fortune 500 companies, Olympians, all kind of people, and 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 so you know they come in and, and kind of have these sessions, you know, 15, it's just 15 or 20 minutes every week, but to sit down and kind of get guys, as Bud said, get, give them some things and keys that they can focus on to really help them not clog their, not clog them up, but really free them a little bit. And so, so far it's been good, but you know, even in past years, they've gone and had a day where they worked out with, um, you know, the army Rangers uh, in, in Fort Benning. They had to work out with them to learn, what it's like and how they deal with adversity, how they deal with the stress of, of, of what they do every day. And so Butch is, is a big believer in, in that mental side of things. And just another, as I said, give them another tool. It's another tool for them to use and respond. And hey, it's not anything new. You know, golfers were really the first ones that did it because it's such a mental game golf is. And so, you know, Bob Rattel is a, a guy that's been doing it for years and now most every professional golfer has a mental coach, has somebody that does those things. But the Alabama sports psychologists, um, Miami, others have used them for years in football and other sports. And so I think it, you know, for him, it's just an opportunity to to give give them a little more, um, you know, opportunity to succeed and to to deal with everything they deal with as student athletes. February eighteenth, so that is a week from tomorrow. A week from tomorrow. Um, Next Friday, they're opening up in Arlington. Jason, I wouldn't be the least bit surprised if you told me that you were taking a road trip over there to cover that, heading out to Arlington, Texas. That's the is that the Rangers' new? It is. It is where the, yeah. the Texas Rangers play. Uh, no, I, I seriously considered it, but we got, I, we got yep. birthday, birthday weekends, and with baseball, you know, it's one of the few times if they're away. Now, I, I will go to a couple of road trips a year, um, but but you know because. Your weekends are tied up because it's Friday, every Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and normally every Tuesday, Wednesday during the year. Um, got to take advantage of having some birthday times for my little one and for my wife and some others that we'll do next weekend. Get them all all done at once, and uh, yeah, so I'll be I'll be tuning in and and following along, but but actually won't be in Texas. Gotcha. Well, it looks like a good. I mean, it's all three Big 12 teams. Um, Texas yes. Tech is number 12 in the country, so that should be a good one. They open up with Oklahoma on Friday um, and then close out with Kansas State on Sunday. So next weekend, baseball will start up, um, and Jason has it covered always from top to bottom at AuburnUndercover.com, so super excited um, about that. Thank you guys so much for listening. If you guys are listening to the podcast, thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Auburn Undercover Podcast. If you guys are watching the live stream on Twitter or Facebook, thank you guys so much for watching. Hopefully you guys um, enjoyed it. Going to try this out moving forward. 
Um, uh, Will Thrasher says gut feeling on Harson coaching in 22. Uh, yeah, we already we're gonna we're gonna push aside the predictions and try not to do that. Um, but I, you know, like, since if, if he didn't if he missed it earlier, I'd say I, the longer it goes on, the more I right. lean towards him being the coach in 2022. Right. That'd be my thoughts. Yeah, we'll see. I think tomorrow could be a big day. We'll see. It's the work week. It's the end of the work week. We all know about you know 5 p.m. news dumps are a thing, and I think could be a very real possibility um, tomorrow. So we'll check that out. If you guys are listening to this on Friday morning, maybe buckle up. But if it goes to the weekend. We'll see. Like Jason said, so hope everybody enjoyed this edition of the podcast. You guys enjoy it. Please leave us a five-star review wherever you guys listen to your shows. And until the next episode, we'll catch you guys later. Everybody have a great rest of the week.